Feels good to be a child of God this morning. Grab your Bible if you have it and hope you do. Open it to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 41. Trust that you've been encouraged already by the service this morning and uh, by the presence of God. And I want to encourage you some more, hopefully, today. Isaiah chapter 41. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. The title of my message this morning is Encouragement for Your Discouragement. Romans 41 and 8. But you, Israel, now God is speaking to a specific people here. He's speaking to the nation called Israel. But I believe that the word of God is applicable. It applies to every human being. Would everybody agree with that this morning? That the, the promises of God are not just for a certain nation, nationality. It's not just for the Jewish people. God's love and his promises are not just for white people. They're not just for black people. That God's promises are for every single human being on the face of the planet who has ever lived, if you agree with that, say amen. So I believe that we can, when we look at Israel or we see somebody's name in scripture, I believe that we can put our name there and claim that promise for our own. So this scripture starts off by saying, but you Israel, my servant, I want you to put your own name there. You don't say it out loud. But as we read this, imagine your name being there. But you, Dennis, my servant. But you, Ryan, my servant, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you who I, I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you. That's a big deal there, okay? That God has chosen not just a select few. God doesn't just choose a few people on the earth to say he's chosen all of us for salvation and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or be not discouraged. Look at this last part of the verse here. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or be not discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will hold you up. Don't be discouraged. So again, I want to preach about encouragement for your discouragement. Can we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, there's not a person in this room that hasn't at some point in their life faced discouragement. There's probably nobody in this room that's not facing it right now. Maybe situations in their life brought on by their own mistakes. Maybe situations brought in uh, their life having nothing to do with decisions of their own. Maybe the decisions that other people have made. Whatever be the case, Lord, discouragement becomes an enemy. It gets bigger every day, and sometimes it clouds our mind. And today, God, I pray that we might see the encouragement that it's in your word, that we might not stay down. Your word we just read said that you will hold us up by your righteous hand. If you created a way that we wouldn't have to be dismayed, that we wouldn't have to be discouraged, but that we might have strength strength that only you can give. And I pray that you give that through your word today. My words mean nothing, I know that, but your word means everything, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Somebody just yell amen real loud. Amen. I'll take that, I'll take that. So when we think about discouragement, first of all, what is it? Don't really need Webster's def definition because we've all faced discouragement. You know what it is. But technically, it means a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. A loss of confidence or enthusiasm to literally be disheartened. Uh, things that a discouraged person might say is something like this. What's the use? Ever said that? It, just, it doesn't matter anyway. 
Maybe a discouraged person would say there's no point. A discouraged person might say something like hamburgers, $87 a pound. Right? That's pretty discouraging, right? Or maybe one of the worst ones, I don't even care anymore. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, but have you ever said it? Have you become so discouraged, so you've, all confidence is gone, enthusiasm is gone, your want to, your care is gone, I don't even care anymore, I'm just, I'm discouraged. I don't see this doing any good and forget it. Why am I even trying so hard? That's, those are the things that discouragement says. And I would venture to say everybody in this room had said those, those things. Like I said, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you're discouraged in some form or fashion today. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I will ask you to do this. Take your right hand, put it on your left wrist, and if, if you can feel a little bump in there, if you feel your heartbeat, in other words, if you feel a pulse, you probably are feeling some sort of discouragement right now, amen, because we all face it. I mean, the worst, the worst part about discouragement is the fact that it can be very discouraging at times, right? And... Uh, I read a little thing uh, this past week said a man's wife asked him to provide encouragement for her as she attempts to lose weight. He said, don't worry, honey, it'll be a piece of cake. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so it probably wasn't the encouragement. His encouragement actually ended up being discouraging for her, right? So um, discouragement has a 100% infection rate. You know, we talk a lot about pandemic and infection these days. Some people get COVID, some people don't. Some people get flu, some people don't. You just never know. But, but discouragement has a 100% infection rate. Every single human being comes down with it at some point in time in their life. Some to great degree, some to maybe not so bad. But nobody, nobody is exempt from discouragement. And no matter how close you are to God. We read through the scripture, and we'll talk about a few of them. We read in scripture about some great men and women of God who did amazing things. I mean, miraculous things, things that they could have never done on their own, things that it, may, it was obvious God was working in them, yet they still faced discouragement. And it brings us low. I mean, discouragement can really bring us low, especially when we get to the point where we say things like, I don't even care anymore. Discouragement is constantly lurking in the shadows in every single aspect of our life. In our career, you take your career, whatever it is you do for a living, you can find discouragement and disappointment every day when, when you go to work. Layoffs, a lot of people facing that right now, that's a disappointment. That's, that, that's discouraging when you have bills to pay and you've been laid off or your workload has been cut down, that becomes discouraging. You know, maybe, maybe you've worked there for a long time and you deserve the promotion and you're looked over for the promotion and somebody else gets it. The boss's, the boss's second cousin's niece's uncle's brother's twice removed is the one that got the promotion because he's related. I don't know. But you were overlooked for promotion and that's, that's discouraging, you know, in a career. You don't get, maybe you work hard every day and you go all out. You treat the business as if you own it and you seemingly get no, no uh, appreciation for that. Maybe your job, maybe it's just monotonous and you, you do it over and over and over and over again. You, and you, every day you think, man, what is, what is the point of this job? Why do I get up and go? I mean, do you see what I'm, what I'm saying? Disappointment is all, it can be all over your career. It comes at you. It's lurking in the shadows. You look at disappointments within, within school. And, and some of you, especially seniors, you older uh, kids, I said you're not even kids anymore, you're young adults uh, in school, you face disappointments in school. Um, 
you know, maybe grades, you try, hard in a, you try hard in a subject, and no matter how hard you try, it just seems like you can't quite get it. It becomes discouraging. Uh, you don't know why you can't uh, grab a hold of that. Maybe friends, you have friends that turn on you, and you lose friends, or friends move away. This constant, you know, these disappointments and these discouraging things, uh, you, don't get, you don't get accepted into the college that you wanted. I really wanted to get into that college, and I didn't get accepted. That's, that's a disappointment. That's a discouragement that you face. And, you know, and even now, you seniors missing literally you know if you don't if you're not a senior or if you don't have if you're not a parent of a senior if your kids are grown or if your kids are little or if you don't have kids um or if you're just ice cold hearted uh it, it doesn't seem like that big a deal maybe you know to, to miss the last half of your senior year and and to you know whether you miss baseball or track or uh you know whatever it is that you enjoy all of that kind of guys it's, it's a disappointment it, it's something beyond our control, and that's the thing about disappointments is many times it's something that's beyond our control. We can't fix it, and that's what makes it, that's what makes it so discouraging. Some things, if, if it's bad and you can fix it, you're not discouraged because you can fix it. But when you can't fix it, it becomes very discouraging, and young people facing that a lot right now, and rightly so. Discouragement is in every aspect of our life, and we see it, we know it, we feel it. You know what I'm talking about is true. But what I also want you to understand is that that disappointment and discouragement don't have to stop at the church door. They find their way into the church. Discouragement finds its way into our spiritual life as well, if we're not careful, if we're not watching for it. Discouragement comes, spiritual discouragement, which is the worst of, of all, comes and it hits where we're the weakest at times if we are if we are physically sick but we're spiritually healthy then we can endure that sickness and that's in the scripture bears this out by the way right so if i if i'm sick but man i'm just on fire for god i can endure that sickness because i'm i'm trusting in god and i know that god is there i can do but if i am if i am spiritually sick and i'm spiritually discouraged Maybe I've lost, lost confidence in God or lost confidence in his word or lost confidence in God's people. Spiritually, I'm discouraged. Now I've got a problem. Now every aspect of my life seemingly has less meaning than it ever had before. This is what we really have to be guarded against, this spiritual discouragement in which Satan hits us where we live. It, it's like going for the motor of the car. Big deal if you scratch the car. Big deal if you rip the upholstery out of the car. If you really want to stop the car, you dig the motor out. Big deal if the enemy brings disappointments in our career, in our, in our family, in our home, in our finances. If, where, he really wants to, where he really wants to dig the motor out is to get us spiritually discouraged. Things, we, we would call them, and I'll put them in air quotes, we would call them unanswered prayers. Things that we're praying for, things that we're diligently asking God to do that we need him to do. I'm not not talking about the, Lord, I'd like to have the Rolls Royce instead of the Pinto. Not those kind of prayers. I'm talking about the prayers where you're desperate for God to move in your life, in your family's life. I mean, hard stuff, and it's just not happening. And we have chalked that up into the unanswered prayer column. That becomes very discouraging does anybody agree with that? I know that it seems like we were too scared to say, yes, that's, we're, we're somehow failing God by, God by saying, yeah, that's discouraging. Look, God's a big boy. He can take it. He understands we get discouraged when things just don't go the way we need them to go. 
And then we get discouraged when we don't see those prayers being answered. We get discouraged if we can be excited about something and we see a lack of participation from other people. We see a lack of enthusiasm from other Christian people. Have you ever been, have you ever been really excited about something? I mean, just like, maybe it's a revelation. You've been reading, reading the Bible and it's just like this revelation. You want, the Lord opens something to you and you understand, you're like, oh my goodness, that is awesome. And, and you're, you're just all excited about it and the Lord's just pumping into your soul and you can't wait to share it with somebody. And you, you find somebody, you go, listen, you look at what I've seen in the word of God and you share it with them and they're like, hmm. And you're like, no, you, I, want, I want you to go, oh, that's awesome. Congratulations, that's what we want, right? But we don't get that all of the time. People's lack of appreciation, people's lack of enthusiasm and passion can become very discouraging. Out of breath. Wore myself out. Phew. <laughs> uh, <it's> discouraging, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's you. <laughs> uh, I forgot where I was going now. Uh, we, people around us can fail us. Even our church people, a lack of participation, maybe, I mean, even with our church, hey, we, we want to maybe have a really good, a great outreach and could really potentially reach a lot of people and just not get a ton of interest. Everybody's kind of busy in their own world and you don't get that kind of a, uh, a response and that can be discouraging. Uh, failure of leaders, you know whether it's pastors or teachers or elders or deacons or you, you name it, when, when our leaders fail us or don't feel like they're, um, you know, living up to our expectations, that can become discouraging. I mean, you name it. But ultimately, and there's times where, there's times where you can be discouraged and really not have anything specific to be discouraged about. You ever been there? Not that there's any one thing that is just earth-shattering for you. It's just that monotony. You know, I go to church, I go home, I go to church, I go to home, and everything just kind of becomes this routine, and you become discouraged because the devil's got a voice. Amen? The devil has a voice, and he uses that voice to speak into our ear words of discouragement to keep us, because the more discouraged we can be, the less effective we're going to be for God's kingdom. That's just the truth of the matter. So long as we have a I-don't-even-care-anymore attitude, we're not going to be effective for God whatsoever. And guard, help us, God. Guard us against discouragement. Help us to see how threatening of an enemy this is. I mean, for me, as I've studied this this week, uh, I guess I realize, you know, we have a tendency when we as Christians point out enemies to our, of our soul, enemies of our faith, we think about things like lust, and obviously that is, you know, uh, an enemy of our soul. We think about doubt and unbelief and all these types of things, and, and those are horrible, but, but if we really stop and think about it, discouragement is probably one of the greatest enemies that we as God's people face. It kind of sneaks up on us sometimes, and our intentions are good. See, when our intentions are good, then we ought to be rewarded for that, right? Isn't that how we look at it? 
If my intentions are good and I put forth all the effort, then it ought to work out the way I want it to work out, but it just doesn't always happen that way, and that's discouraging. So then that makes me wonder, do I want to do it again? Or do I want to set myself up for disappointment? It's kind, of the, it's kind of the old classic, you have to get back up on the horse and ride it bit, right? I remember, I remember wrecking my bike for the first time. I wanted to, wanted to ride, learn how to ride a bike, and I remember wrecking it, skinning up my knees, and I had a dis- that was discouraging. I had a decision to make. Do I get back on it and ride it again, knowing that there's a good ch- possibility I'll wreck again? Or, I mean, do I, yeah, knowing that, or do I, I messed that up. Do I get on it so that I know I can ride it, or do I put it away knowing that there's a possibility that I might wreck it again? Okay? So, you know, after mom sold mine in the yard sale, you know, I gave up. No, not really. I stayed after. I want to learn. You just, we, we know there's more disappointments to come. Brady started a new job this week, and I asked him before, I said, you excited? He said, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm, I'm nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to mess up. I said, you will. How's that, how's that for a pep talk? <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of father would I have been? How good, what, what good would I have done him? But I said, you, you won't. You'll do great. You'll do great. You won't, you won't make any mistakes. Then when he makes a mistake, he's like, well, what's the deal? I, I said, you're going to screw up a lot. Just count on it. It's part of discouragement. But what happens is once you mess up and you face that discouragement, it's such a horrible feeling, it, it, it kind of it kind of launches you into a new mode. Okay, so what do I got to do to fix it so that I don't do that again, right? So it's a good thing. Discouragement, even though it's an evil and it's a hard battle to fight, it actually can work to our advantage. God can work it to our advantage because God takes our discouragement and he turns it into encouragement, right? Um, so um, whether we are our failure at something, or whether we're successful, again, it comes to everybody. I mean, if you do something and it fails, obviously that's discouraging, but do you realize how many people who are successful who are discouraged? It's, it's weird, it's messed up. That's how, that's how discouragement works, is that even when we're successful at something, sometimes we still have the spirit, I'm gonna call it a spirit of discouragement, that we, that we battle, whether we're failures or whether we're successful, it doesn't really matter, we, we still face it. Um, whether we're typically discontent or whether we're usually happy, whether we're, we're just facing a string of bad luck or whether we feel lucky, punk, right? I mean, no, no matter the case, whatever the case, wherever we're at, we've, we face it. Um, we can't, there's no way to prevent discouragement, but there is a way to circumvent ex- discouragement, okay? And I hope you appreciate that. I, I come up with all these little sayings to help them stick in your mind. You can't prevent Discouragement, but you can circumvent discouragement. What does it mean to circumvent? It means kind of to go around it. Let me, let me put it to you like this as an illustration. A running back, there's nothing he can do to prevent the linebacker from coming at him. Not going to happen. If, if, if the running back before the snap says to the linebacker, hey, if you don't mind, bud, would you leave me alone on this play? I, I need to go your way, and if you could really back off, that would help me out a lot. No, he's he's never going to prevent that linebacker from coming after him. That's what he does. He can't prevent it, but he can circumvent it. He can learn to juke and jive and cut. He can can learn what to do and use his teammates and use the, 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 the patterns to circumvent or to get past the linebacker and make some progress. 
We cannot prevent discouragement. I know we as parents want everything in the, in the world. We want to we shelter our kids from discouragement. Do everything for them. Keep them from being discouraged. You ne- we cannot prevent discouragement. It is going to come, but we learn how to juke and jive. We learn throughout life how to circumvent that discouragement so that it don't tackle us, so to speak. Because see, discouragement, discouragement has a lot of teammates. It has some of the teammates of discouragement are doubt, depression, loneliness, anger, despair, cynicism, all of these things that discouragement brings with it. And you're out there with the ball, and all of those things want to lay you out. So what I'm going to do, if I'm, if I'm a running back and I'm holding the ball, and I know I've got linebackers and cornerbacks and linemen and all of these people that are coming after me to put me on the ground, I've got to figure out a way not to get tackled. I can't prevent it from happening. I can't live in a bubble. It's it's there, but how do I keep it from hurting me? How do I keep it from just taking me out of commission in my life? I believe that we got to know what the coach's game plan is and follow it. Amen? The coach on the sideline says to the running back, okay, all of these things are coming after you, here's how you get past it, right? The coach doesn't just say, I don't know, just run around until they all get tired. No, 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 he's got a plan. The coach has got a plan. He gives you a plan and says, this is what you do, and if you'll do this, execute this correctly, and if everybody else will execute their job correctly, you can, get, you can circumvent this, you can get past this. So you learn to, to, to learn the coach's game plan. And so God says, I'm, I'm sending you out. He told his disciples, I'm sending you out like, uh, uh, like sheep among wolves. That's what Jesus told his disciples. I, I don't know if you know this, but sheep don't tend, tend to hold up a good against wolves. When sheep and wolves get in a fight, sheep always lose. I, w- I would venture to say 110% of the time. I'm sending you out, Jesus says. Here's your encouraging word for the morning. Disciples, I'm sending you out into the world to preach the gospel like a bunch of sheep to the wolves. Have a good day. Right? <laughs> and so but he gave him a game plan. Here's what you do, and, and not to go into all that, but he said, he said, even to them said some odd stuff. He's like, don't take anything with you. Uh, just trust God, right? Other times he'd say, take your sword, take, he, get you a buddy. They went out by two. So let's talk just a little bit. I'm not going to take much more time, but let's talk just a little bit. Let's look just a little bit into Coach God's game plan for how we can circumvent some of the discouragement that, that Satan brings our way. I want you to, to, get the, to kind of pull the thought I'm wanting to go with. Turn back into 2 Samuel chapter 17. Second Samuel chapter 17. Let's, let's read about, I don't know, the first 10 verses. <clears throat> and let me go, well, first of all, I got to paint a little background here so you know what we're reading. Um, bottom line is, uh, David is king in this moment, okay? David has had his ups and he's had his downs. He's had his battles, he's had his wins and his victories, and he's had his losses. 
he's failed and he's sinned and God's raised him up. But in David's, the point of David's life right now, he's the king of Israel, but his son, Absalom, wants to be king. So David is literally running, literally running for his life from his own son. Absalom wants to kill his dad and become king. That's where David is at right now. So he's not in Jerusalem, in his house, in his kingdom. He's out in the wilderness, in the desert, desert running for his life, okay? That being said, let's go back down here to verse number one of chapter 17. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men and I will rise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic. Now you see how the enemy works? Part of knowing the game plan, part of knowing what to do in order to keep from getting sacked is to know your enemy strategies, right? Know how your enemy works. Know how Satan thinks. David's enemy, his thought process was, let's get him while he's discouraged. Let's get him while he's down. Let's get him while he's weak. Let's get him while nothing in his life is going right. That was their game plan. That's Satan's game plan. When you're laid off, when you're sick, or when your kids are sick, when things aren't going right, Satan comes along and says, oh, they're weak, they're discouraged, let's pounce harder now. Look for it, watch for it, it happens. We have to know that coaches, they sit and they watch film, hour after hour after hour of film, the other team's film, why? They're getting to know the opponent. If I run this play, what are they going to do? If they run this play, they, they know how their opponent works. We know that Satan operates like this. Get them while they're weak. Get them while they're discouraged. Let's get him while he's discouraged and throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man. And all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the elders of Israel. This is one of Absalom's advisors telling him, here's what we need to do. Then Absalom said, call Hushai, the archai also. And let us hear what he has to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, thus has Ahithophel spoken, what shall we do, as he, or shall we do what he says? If not, you speak. Then Hishai said to Absalom, the bottom line is, uh, Absalom, this one advisor says, let's go in, let's kill David, get David while he's discouraged, while he's weak, and we'll kill him. And, and Absalom says, oh, okay, sounds like a pretty good plan. He gets another guy, says, what do you think? And that's kind of where we're at right now. The, the other guy is now giving his opinion. This time, the counsel that uh, Ahithophel has given is not good. In other words, the new guy says, well, that's a terrible idea, don't do that. Hushai said, you know that your father and his men are mighty men and that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. How many of you would, if you went to the woods and there was little baby cubs over here by themselves and there was a mama bear over here, would go over and start going, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. How many of you would go start playing with the baby cubs? Nobody would. Why? There's nothing more mad than a mama when you start messing with her cubs. He said, you don't want to do that. David and his men. See, we read different places in Scripture about the mighty men of David. David surrounded himself with mighty men. 
men of faith. You know what one of the you know what one of the things in God's playbook is for us to be able to circumvent and, and make sure that discouragement doesn't hit our way. Surround yourself with encouraging people. Don't surround yourself with people who are always singing "Woe is me" and gloom, despair, and agony on me. Don't make friends. Don't don't hang out with the guy that stands on the corner saying the end is near. Find people who are encouraging. Find people of faith. People who have been through all kinds of life struggles and come out victorious. David surrounded himself by mighty men. And those mighty men got him through a lot. Get locked into the church. Get locked into the body. You want a, you want a, you want a, a surefire way of getting encouraged out of your discouragement, you, you hang around this church long enough, you hang around a, a body of Christ long enough, and you get locked in, you get to know one another. See, the Bible says we are one. We weep with those who weep. We, we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We get to know each other so well that when, when you're discouraged, and even though you put on the happy face, people get to talking to you, and you know what they know about you? You're discouraged. You've got this, yeah, I'm fine, I'm okay. You're trying to hide the pain. But you, you surround yourself with people of faith, encouragers, and they begin to see that discouragement in you and they can pull it out of you. Hey, don't be discouraged. I see, I can tell. I can tell you're hurting right now, but I'm standing with you, I'm praying for you. This week I'm gonna pray for you all week. We need that. We gotta have that surrounding of mighty men. That's what David did. That's how he kept from being defeated by discouragement he said no don't do that David surrounds himself by mighty men and and they're all like a mama bear who's been separated from her cubs they're meaner than junkyard dog you can't beat them besides your father is an expert in war he will not spend the night with the people behold even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place and as soon as some of the people fall at first attack whoever hears it will say there has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even, then even the valiant men whose heart is like the heart of a lion will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and that those who are with him are valiant men. Discouragement is not going to work against David because he surrounds himself with mighty men, encouraging men. He has hidden himself in a secret place. I like that. You got to get the analogy here. David's running from his life. That could be discouraging when you know your son wants to kill you. He finds a safe place to hide in. And that's where he takes shelter. And so when life comes against us and all of its discouragements, we have to, spiritually speaking, have to have some place to hide, right? We have to have somewhere to go with all of this discouragement. Otherwise, we carry it all ourselves, and it's a heavy load that nobody can carry. So where do we go? Where's that secret place that we go to in order to get encouragement from our discouragement? That place is, we sang a lot about it today. It's that, it's that prayer closet, right? It's that intimate, quiet time where we just get a hold of God, and we, we speak to him out of our pain. We're honest with him. God, I am discouraged. Say, say these things to God. God, what's the use? 
Okay, don't, don't put on some sort of penny-ante show when you go to pray to God. Oh, God, thou art great. I know you are wonderful and you will do all. No, be honest. Let your heart go to God and say, Lord God, I don't see the use in this. What does it matter anymore? Lord, I, I don't even care anymore. Say that to God. You, you know why you can say that to God? Because God can look right past your words, right square into the heart, into your heart. And he knows you're discouraged. He knows you're low. But he knows that deep down you still have a heart for him. He knows he can bring you out. He begins to teach us. Here's how you juke it. Here's how you circumvent it. Here's what you got to do a little bit different in order to keep this thing, this discouragement thing from happening. You got to know what your motives are. Examine. Well, let me give you an example. Today, Matt was over here piddling with his guitar. He got him in a really cool pedal up here, by the way. I am jealous in a Christian-like way. <laughs> Matt's up here, and he's, he's working with his guitar and his pedal, and he's trying to make it all sound the way it needs to sound for the songs that we were going to sing this morning. And he was having a hard time with it. He was struggling with it. He was getting discouraged. He was getting frustrated. And he piddled, and he piddled, and he piddled. And finally, in the end, he said, I've, you know what it was? He said, after all that, pushed every button on there, and he looked down and he realized, from this angle looking down at the guitar, you really, you can, I can see this knob, and I can barely see this knob, but I can't see this knob. It's kind of hidden when you're standing at this angle. And it wasn't until he kind of tipped his guitar up that he realized, oh, I've got another two knobs down there. And one of those knobs is a tone knob, and it was turned all the way down. So basically what the tone knob does is it makes it sound, it goes from to sounding like this. You turn the tone knob all the way down, that, no wonder he couldn't make it sound the way he needed it to sound is because his tone knob was all the way down. But my point is, there was something happening he didn't see. He was getting discouraged. There was one thing that needed to be fixed in order to get things Back in our life, and I wonder, I get thinking in my life sometimes when I'm discouraged and things just aren't working right, I'm just, discouragement has a way of hiding things from us. Discouragement has a way of hiding the solution from us. What I need to do, maybe, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time on my knees. Maybe I need to spend a little bit more time talking to people that I trust and rely on. I didn't even think about that. That was hidden from my eyes. Once he got that, one button, that one thing fixed, his discouragement was over. And that's something. God, lo God loves every one of us so individually. I mean, as God looks down at your life, this board up here has got so many different settings, and, and, and Matt has got it set just exactly the way he likes it. And I can get up there, and I can, I can change out all the dials, and I can make it set it to where just the way I like it. Steve can get up here and he'll, he'll change it completely and set it the way that he likes it because we're all different and God knows how different we are. And so when God looks at your individual life, he knows what you need. He knows what it is dirt needs changed in his life for discouragement to, to keep robbing him. And he looks at us individually. And so that's where you have to, if you understand that God knows you that individually knows what your buttons are, what your, 
what encourages you, what discourages you, what tempts you, what doesn't tempt you. And when you turn yourself over to God and you basically say, Lord, you turn the knobs as you see fit. I, I can't see well enough. I, I, I don't have a good enough ear. I cannot arrange my own life. I just can't. I know discouragement's going to come, but I don't want it to blindside me. I don't want it to take me out of the game. God will show us. One step, one step, one day at a time. What time is it? Goodness, I've been up here way too long. Matt, don't think I noticed you zoomed in when I pulled your camera, when I got your guitar up on the Yeah, yeah. I didn't turn any knobs, I don't think. Uh, I, I may, I don't know, I may carry this on next week. I, 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 just, feel like, I, I just feel like we need this. I, turn, on, turn on the news and watch it for 30 seconds and see the, how discouraged you are. Don't you get, you see our country and the way that it's going, I, I don't imagine any of us can say, oh, I'm just tickle pink with the way our country's going. And then in your house and your career and all these things that we mentioned, I think we need, maybe we need a double dose of encouragement. Because I have a whole lot more to say and I don't have a lot of time uh, left. So let me encourage you with this. In Hebrews chapter number two, verse one. First of all, Hebrews was written to a group of Christians who were very discouraged. To the point that they were thinking about bailing out on Jesus, okay? They were kind of in the state of, well, it was easier when, in our old way of life. We didn't face so many problems until we started becoming a Christian, and they were just contemplating bailing out and denying their faith in Christ. And the writer of Hebrews is doing everything in his power to encourage them because the one surefire weapon against discouragement is encouragement. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them, look, yes, this is bad. I realize what you're going through really stinks. But let me encourage you to know that what you're going through is temporary. Okay? That your temporary, your suffering and all this bad stuff is only through this life. One of these days, this life will be over. You'll live for eternity and it will be much better. Let me encourage you to know it's temporary. You know, he, he, he said to them, let me encourage you to know that Jesus is far better than Moses was. They, these were Jewish people that were wanting to kind of go back to Judaism and follow their religious rules. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, no, 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 Jesus is better than those old prophets. He's better than Moses was. He's better than the angels. He's better than the law. Jesus is the answer. Let me encourage you to know this morning that Jesus is the answer. And Hebrews chapter two, verse one says, therefore we must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. We have to pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. Remember, concentrate, fix your mind on what you know to be true, how faithful you've seen God in your life, in your past, in, in other people that you know to be good Christian people, how faithful God has been to them. Jesus is greater, the greatest source of encouragement. So this isn't a, this isn't a, 12 steps to, 12, this isn't a 12-step message on how to beat discouragement. 
I could get up here and get all fancy and give you 12 steps and say, go through all these steps and you're free from discouragement. No, I mean, because the bottom line is all those steps, they may be fine and good, but the number one step is when we learn, when we learn to really, truly rely on Jesus. When we really, like the writer of Hebrews said, understand how great, how awesome, how mighty is our Lord Jesus Christ. It makes all of our problems dim. I'm not saying it makes them go away, but it makes them dim. And he shines brighter, and it gives us hope and power, strength to press on. Amen. Anybody want to get saved this morning? Anybody want to get saved? You're tired of running from God? You're just discouraged with the way the world's going? You're discouraged with the way your life's going? You don't know where your life's going. It's just... No direction. You're tired of it. You're ready. Ready to quit running from God. You want to be saved? Come up here. Stand up. You're going to have to come up here. Stand up. Dennis, I'm ready. I'm tired of running from God. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is in control of my life. Nothing to be ashamed of. Every single person in this room had to make that decision at some point in time in their life. How many of you in this room that made that decision are glad you did? Simple as that. I don't like where my life's going, we say. I believe God created me, and I believe he's in control of this world. I know I've sinned against him. I know I've done wrong. And it stands to reason that when I die, I'm probably going to answer for what I did. You don't have to have a lot of religion to come to that conclusion. The good news that Jesus comes along and says, let me, let me replace your discouragement. Because believe me, the idea of dying and going to hell is discouraging. Isn't it? There's nothing more discouraging than that. And Jesus comes along and says, I'll tell you what, I've got some encouragement for your discouragement. Let me encourage you to know that you don't have to go to hell. That I died on that cross to pay for your sin so that all you would have to do is just call out to me. Repent of your sins and I'll save you. You'll never have that hell thing to worry about again, ever. Why would you want to, why would you want to give that up? Why would you want to let that go? Just do it. Just do it today. Just get saved today. Anybody want to get saved? I know. It's not how I usually do an altar call, but I'm the pastor. I can do what I want. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will say this. I believe God's dealing with hearts. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I don't know. I'm not that good. I can't look and say, oh, yeah, that's one. There's one. No, I, I don't know. But I, I can feel in my heart and my soul this morning that God's dealing with some hearts today. I just want you to feel comfortable in knowing that you can come to God. You can come here. You can come to God right here in this, in this place, and everybody that's here is on your side, and we'll pray for you. And It's um, one reason we start church so early. It's only 11.15. Nobody's hungry yet. Nobody's anxious to go. We can get you saved and still beat the other churches to McDonald's. I'm just kidding. 
not that difficult. But Jesus wants you. He loves you. Someone asked you just to think about it here and pray about it where you're at. Everybody just pray. How about everybody just kind of bow your heads this morning? I want to pray for all of you. And if, if you're one of those that is dealing with this morning about being saved, you say, well, I don't, I don't know that I really want to stand up and get in front of everybody. That's, that's fine. Can you just start talking to God this morning? Can you, can you believe, at least believe enough to know that he's listening to you while you pray? Forget about what you've done in the past and all that. doesn't matter. He's not concerned about that at all. Just be honest with him. God, I've sinned. You know it. Uh, I don't have to explain all that to you, but I'm sorry for it. I, I want to change. I want to go a different direction. Come into my life. Change me, Lord. I, help me to learn. Help me to know what all of this is really about. Give me the strength to overcome temptations. Let me be encouraged from now on and never turn back. Just talk to God this morning. Father, as every person in this place is talking to you, what an amazing God you are that you can talk back to each one of us at the same time. That you are capable of hearing every heart's cry. <laughs> Hundred and some odd people in this room and you're listening to every one of us at the same time. You can do that. Not only can you hear and acknowledge what we're saying, but you can care for us and care what we're saying and hurt for us when we hurt. And the provisions that you have made, the things that you did, especially the cross, to make a way for us to come over to you are beyond our comprehension. Help us all to see today what you've done for us and not take it lightly, not take it for granted. I know that you're dealing with hearts and I don't have to ask you to do that. You're already doing that. That's what you want to do. I just pray that you would drive away all the voices of discouragement, all of the words of hell that would drown out your voice. Do great restoration in people's hearts and lives today, whether that's right here today in this service, whether it's throughout this week as your word begins to soak down into their hearts, trust that you'll do your work today. God, I, I, I pray this morning for the Christians, those who are already saved, that are facing discouragement right now of any kind. Some that may just be kind of, it's just a frustration right now, but some may be facing a level of discouragement that's really low. Lift them up, Lord. Lift them up by that hand of righteousness we read about in the beginning. Encourage their heart. Lift their heart today, right now, this very moment. Through As your word went forward this, today, I just pray that that light would drive away the cloud of darkness and all of the friends that come along with discouragement. Let's walk out of here with some hope, some joy unspeakable, full of glory. God, we pray for the special needs this morning the unspoken request, Lord, hearts today, people here today that have some physical needs, sicknesses that need addressed, that need touched, and we just ask you to do that. 
You don't need a man. God, to point it out, Lord, your spirit. When our faith connects with you individually, you can do great and mighty things. So as every person in this room just reaches out to you with their special need, as their faith connects to you, I pray, God, that you would minister to them, touch those bodies, those that are fearful for their children and grandchildren, those with financial difficulties right now, Lord, be it from the economy or the virus, whatever the case is. You see where we're at individually, and we just lift those needs to you today. We pray for Melissa tonight, God, as you see the the heart problems that she's having. We ask you to touch her. Be with Jeff this morning as he's dealing with sickness. Be with our country, God, that is so beside itself, a country that is so lost. We've lost our way, but we believe that you can bring us back to the way. Help us, Lord, to, I guess, pray more about it than complain about it. Help us to be encouraged amidst all the discouragement, Lord Jesus. It's a sweet presence. Thank you for your, your sweet spirit, Lord, that just hovers and abides, refreshes. 